Hi everyone, I'm your host, Andre Faras, co-founder and CEO at Incognito. Welcome to Trust and Safety Mavericks, a show focused on topics related to online trust and safety and riding the next big wave. Welcome. Today, we're going to be speaking about the food delivery space and challenges that come regarding fraud and policy abuse. And today, the person who will be sharing her experience here, we have Raisa. Raisa is currently leading the data science team and data analysis team at Incognia. She has been working with multiple food delivery companies directly and wanted to ask her to introduce herself very quickly before we get into the questions. Hey, hey guys. So as Andra said, I'm Dynamotics Manager here at Incognia, and we are working every day to solve this kind of problem. So I'm excited to talk about it. Awesome. So let's jump right into it. I wanted to ask you to share a little bit more about some of the, the use cases you've been seeing in which Incogniz is helping food delivery clients like solve different types of fraud or, or policy abuse. And I wanted to ask you to share some of those use cases, but also how we have been figuring out how to solve those, those problems. Okay, so I think it depends on the type of app. You know, we have the courier side and the consumer side. And we have different fraud types on both sides. So on the courier side, we have a lot of GPS spoofing to mask their locations, to make it seem that the courier is actually not where they actually are. You know, they make it seem that they are in a very high demand area. They can make it seem that they actually finalized a delivery when they didn't leave their house. So there's a lot on that area. On the consumer side, we see a lot of policy violation, chargeback, voucher abuse. So it depends on what perspective we want to, to discuss. And on both sides, we are using our technology in terms of the location behavior that we see. We know we'll build a location profile for each user based on the device location behavior. And we also have a device fingerprint. So the combination of those two things is being proven to be very powerful to solve this kind of problem. Interesting. It's interesting you, you mentioned that like each side of the marketplace has different problems, right? So on the driver side, you have drivers trying to spoof their location information. On the consumer side, you have different types of abuse going on. And you also mentioned the combination of the device fingerprinting solution with the location behavior analysis of, of the user. So I wanted to, to double click a little bit more on that front to ask you like, what is the the combination of those signals that is most effective for solving these problems. I know that there are some specific variables that make a huge difference here. So I wanted to, to ask a little bit more about that. Okay. So on the driver side, for example, we see that the device fingerprint is very powerful in terms of there is a lot of users that create multiple accounts to be able to, to commit some kind of fraud multiple times. And in this case, we have the device information. You know, we need to have a strong device ID to be able to detect that is the same device creating multiple accounts. And at the same time, we have the, the location information to detect if the user is spoofing that information. You know, so we have also tempering information on the device side because there are users that are modifying the app. They don't download the app from the official store. They are using a modified uh, version of the app to be able to bypass security 
uh, measures that yet might have like biometrics and this kind of thing. So in this case, we are using both location and device information to detect this kind of fraud, you know, because we see that the app is tempered based on the device information. And when the information is not tempered, we have the actual location information to make sure that the user is actually where they say they are and are allowed to perform what they are trying to do inside the app. On the consumer side, we have other types of behavior, but it's also related to multiple account creation for the coupon use case. We see that a lot, you know, users trying to create multiple accounts to use that first purchase coupon. And then in this case, they have this kind of disposable accounts. They create an account, they use that coupon, they delete the app. Sometimes they reinstall the app, create another account, do that again, and do that over and over again. And we don't see them going back to a previously used account. But we also see use cases uh, in this sense that there is a user that has a set of accounts that they use multiple times to use the same coupon. So for example, you can have a coupon for a specific product and they want to buy that product uh, multiple times using this account. So they have the set of accounts that they use and they go into each one of those accounts and use that coupon, the same coupon over and over. And we see that later they go back to that account. You know, there is a new coupon for another product that they are interested in. So they use the same, the same set of accounts to purchase those items again with the same coupon. So we see this multiple account creation, multiple account accessing behavior too, and the location is also there. So we try to prevent account takeover, analyzing that the device is actually on a location that is trusted for that account. And maybe they can change the device, but the behavior is the same. So we combine this kind of thing in this sense, you know, because it's the, the strongest thing is the combination of both those signals, you know, because you might have the same device, but you are in another location, but you might change your device, but you are in the same location. So each time you, we add new signals to the fingerprint, both location and the device, it becomes harder for them to spoof the disinformation to bypass the technology that we are creating. Got it. So let me play it back to you and, and see if I got it right. So what we're analyzing is basically the relationship between the accounts, the devices, and the locations of these users. So yeah. I wanted to ask one specific question that came to mind, which is, let's assume that the fraudster they're making a lot of money with, with this operation and they can afford to have multiple devices. What happens in, in this kind of scenario? What, what is the variable that comes in play in, in, in a situation like that? Yeah, in this case, for us, it's basically the location, but not the location in terms of the coordinates. You know, you need to have a precise location in terms of creating an environment because let's suppose that there's a device, there's a fraudster that has multiple devices and they are in, they live in a building with a lot of other people. So we don't want to use the coordinates and say, okay, this is a suspicious behavior. We see that this device we detected that this, this user has this behavior of accessing multiple accounts and they are at this location. So let's block this location. You know, this set of coordinates in a radio, using the radios, because you're gonna block a lot of other people, a lot of other good users. So we don't wanna do that. We need to be precise in terms of actually detecting where they are. So in this case, we use multiple signals to create what we call an environment. So it's not just a location. It's a combination of signals that create, like if you are in an apartment, we can differentiate like the, 
the stores. You were on the first floor, on the second floor, so we can detect this. So we are able to block that environment. You know, so not just location. We combine this with other signals like Wi-Fi to be able to detect that. Even though we have multiple devices, you are in the same environment. You are connected to the same network and this kind of thing. Got it. Interesting. So. So what, what I'm understanding here is that the definition of location to solve this kind of problem is not not really the, the standard definition, like the GPS coordinates, right? Because yeah. the precision would not be enough. And then if you use that to block the bad actors, you would be blocking a lot of good users, which would increase the false positive rate. So, so you need yeah. very precise down to the apartment level accuracy to really understand where the user is and, and be able to block the bad ones, but leave the good users using your product. Very interesting. Yeah. Excellent. So wanted to explore a little bit more the, the bad actor side, right? So considering your experience, how does the, the bad actor scale up their operations? Like when they identify that they can violate a certain policy or they can defraud the platform in, in, in a certain way, what do they typically do to scale up and, and do more and make more money with, with that? Um, there's a lot of app tampering, you know, to like use of emulators to be able to create more accounts faster, you know, so there's a lot of modifications on the app so they are able to access root that, access some features on the device that only with root device, with root permissions that we, you would have to be able to modify the, device, the app to do this kind of thing faster, you know, to be able to create multiple accounts faster, to be able to modify the the system settings so you can modify the location information to spoof your location. So I think most of the time we see the scaling up by modifying the app. Interesting. So they can do basically two things, right? They can have multiple devices, but they also can run multiple instances of the same app on the same device, right? So they can have like multiple apps running on multiple mm. devices, that would be a lot of volume for a single person. The second option is definitely cheaper, you know, because to yeah. have multiple <laughs> devices, you need to have the, the money to do that. So I think that's why we see most of the cases being like using emulators to run multiple instances of the app on the same device. Interesting. And one thing that we, we recently published was a full delivery report, right, with, with some insights. And one of those things were related to the, the correlation between multiple accounts being created and also multiple devices accessing those accounts or the same device accessing multiple accounts. So you mentioned that in the first question here, and that is happening on both sides, right? On the consumer, yeah. but also on the, on the career app. So do you think that like the trust and safety teams are aware of how big this problem is? Or do you think this is something new for them, this, this kind of insight? I think it depends on the fraud, you know, for example, if you analyze chargeback, the apps actually have a conformant fraud, you know, there is a credit card company that is going to alert them, is going to deliver, is going to charge them for something. So they know how big the problem is, but they might not know how to solve that. But when we are talking about policy violation, it's more subtle, you know, because we don't have a report for voucher abuse, you know, there's no confirmation for that. This is going to be reflected on their metrics about retention, for example, because they have a budget to use to acquire and retain good customers. You know, that's where the coupons come from, is this type of budget. But what is happening is basically that this budget is not being used the best way. 
because it's being exploited by bad actors. So they know that this is happening, but they usually don't know how big it is. It's very often that we show this kind of result to the customers and they are very surprised, you know, because when they have a fraud confirmation, they know the size of the problem. But for this policy violation, it's very subtle. So usually they are aware that this is happening, but they don't know how big the problem is. Sometimes they have some kind of solution already, so they have an idea, but even though we usually surprise them with the size of the problem that we are measuring with our solution. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I think there are two types of key problems that most of the food delivery companies are. They know that the problem exists, but they usually don't know how big the problem is, which is voucher abuse, right? And, and the other one also related to location spoofing, right? Like most of yeah. these companies, they, they know that there's location spoofing going on, but, but they don't really know how much of their drivers are actually like using this and what is the actual consequence of this type of exploit. So very, very interesting. So an, another thing that was on this report was also the distinction between the courier and the consumer fraud rates, right? So I understand that both sides, like they have pretty different problems, but are there any rules that work for both sides that you believe is a good practice for the food delivery companies to deploy in their, their solutions? Yeah, I think the one that we've been discussing, you know, the, the multiple account access by a device. So having a strong device LED to be able to detect this multiple access behavior is definitely something that is being proven to be very effective. And the location as well, you know, but not the general idea of location, that precise location to be able to detect. If a fraudster exchanges the device, we are still able to detect that it's the same fraudster because of the environment that they are in. So this kind of rule based on the number of accounts that our devices access, the number of installations as well, because it's not common for a, a good user to be reinstalling the app at the time. So this is also something that works on both sides and the location information, like really precise location information to detect the, the environment that the frustrating is in. Uh, it's something that, is, that works on both sides. Got it. So my understanding is that the food delivery companies independently of, of the app, right? Either if it's the courier side, um, the consumer side, or even the restaurant side, they should still be looking at those uh, relationships, right? So account to devices, accounts to locations, devices to locations, like trying to understand what is the relationship between all of these three pieces. Yeah. And in the end, they will be able to address most of the front issues or policy abuses uh, if they have these three things really, really solid. Is, is that yeah. what you understand too? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's very, very interesting to see that most of the common approaches to this kind of problem is to use like personal information. So it's very interesting to see that when we compare the, the solution that the customer usually has that is based on this kind of information to our solution that doesn't use that, we see that we are able to solve the problem without having access to this kind of information, you know? So it's about having the right information, not the, the largest amount of information. You don't need to have a lot. You need to have the right information. And as of now for our food delivery customers, the kind of information that we process 
is being proven to be very effective, way more effective than other solutions that use this kind of personal information. Very cool. Yeah, it's interesting that you, you touched on that because my next question was, was actually about the tools that these customers were using to detect policy abuse and, and, and fraud before integrating our, our solution. Like, what are the tools that they were using and, and what were the insights that they shared with you about the performance of these things? Yeah, some of them have some uh, in-house solutions, like to actually use the, the device information, the operational system information. And some of them have some kind of device ID, but usually it's based on personal information. For example, email is very commonly used to detect like these multiple accounts because they try to, to do some checks on the email, if the email is valid or not, or if there's some pattern because there are some fraudsters that create like multiple email accounts to be able to create those multiple accounts. And they have like a pattern for the email. So they try to detect this kind of thing, but it's just not that effective. And it's not their fault in terms of, it's not their business. You know, they're not trying to work exclusively on that. They're trying to provide their users with the best delivery experience. So they have usually a fraud team that is working on trying to understand better these kind of variables to use that to block fraud. They don't have the same depth that as we do because we're working on this for over a decade now. Sometimes they have third party partners as well to provide some other signals, you know, but usually it's also personal information. In terms of device AG, even when we analyze the case where the customer has a device AG, we compare their device ID with ours. And it's very, very often that we see that we are seeing like one device and they're seeing maybe one device accessing 30 accounts and they are seeing 15, 18 devices. So when they count the number of accounts that each of those devices are accessing, it's a very reasonable number. So there's no reason to, to block those devices. But when we go on our side and we see that it's the same device, we see the size of the problem. So. We've been comparing as well this kind of information that we both have. And on our side, it's been a stroller. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. One thing I've also been noticing when working with, with food delivery companies is, is that in many cases, when they're using some vendor solution, they're actually using something that it wasn't exactly built for them, right? So it's usually like a, a fraud prevention solution that was originally built for e-commerce players, and they try to fit that into their operation. But there are some differences that are quite important to, to take into consideration. For example, in the food delivery business, you, you cannot freeze a transaction to, to put a, a, someone to analyze it, right? Because it's, it's food. Yeah. The food is going to get cold, and you don't want to offer that experience. So you need to approve the transactions more quickly you don't have as much time as a, a traditional e-commerce company has to analyze a transaction. So in many cases, the results are not as good as if, if they were a traditional e-commerce. So some of those differences are, are critical when evaluating like vendors and, and solutions, because in many cases, the numbers that these vendors are sharing will not reflect in, into reality because the, the nature of the business is very different. Uh, I think another yeah. key difference in regards to food delivery is is also this relationship between uh, drivers and consumers, right? Like you, you don't have that type of dynamic in a traditional e-commerce sense, like the person who's going to deliver 
the product to you will not be able to chat with you. They they won't be able to to call you, right? So by connecting these two pieces, you you open also space for like uh, scams and other types of policy abuse that usually don't show up in a more traditional fraud prevention platform. So that's that's also interesting to see. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so one question that that's a little bit more more specific here is about voucher abuse, right? We we have been seeing a lot of that in the food delivery space. So I, I wanted to ask more specifically about the role that geolocation data plays into identifying this type of abuse. Like, what do you see as the most effective way of using location data for to fight this type of, of issue? Yeah, I think we've been using that environment idea that I explained. So the idea of defining what are trusted environments for a given device and account. So we see that that device has a relationship to that account and we are able to analyze the location behavior to define the trusted locations for that account. So based on this behavior, we can see that maybe there is an order that is coming way far from that location, but it's from a trusted device. So maybe we can allow that. But on the other side, we may have a new device accessing that account and has a very distinct location behavior than what was expected for that account. So in this case, we can also flag this as a suspicious behavior because it's not is a new device coming from a new location. So it's the combination of both, but for the location information specifically is basically defining what is trusted, what is the pattern, what is the default behavior for that account. So we are able to compare, you know, the historical data to what is happening right now, where this order is coming from. It's from a trusted location, it's closed, but not on a trusted location or it's very far from a trusted location and combine this with the device information to make sure we have a precise response. Got it. Got it. So if we identify that there is like multiple accounts being created from the same place, like the same apartment, for example, we would flag that as a suspicious location and say like, okay, but this specific environment is not really, there are not that many people (laughs) in that place. Yeah. That many accounts. This can also be that. Like to define, we have the perspective of the accounts to define what is trusted for that account, but we can also have the perspective of the location itself. You know, if this is a trusted location based on the type of, based on the behavior of the device that we see in that location. So those devices are trusted, you know? So we look at this location is trusted for this device in this account. And on the other side, we have is this location trusted based uh, on the device? You know, those devices are trusted. So we can ask both questions to see if the location is suspicious. Not only based on the behavior of the devices in terms of accessing multiple accounts and no policy violation, but also based on conformity fraud. So the customer can also share with us the information that a fraud was confirmed for a specific uh, device, a specific transaction became chargeback, for example. So we can see where that transaction came from and flag that location as suspicious based on the chargeback rate. You know, this is something that we use on our models, the chargeback rate by region. So we see if that region has a high chargeback rate, so we can flag as suspicious all the transactions that comes from the same region. Interesting. Interesting. So I'm understanding that they're like, besides the trusted locations, like for the ones that are like related to fraud, you, you have basically two different classifications, right? The, the first one is like, okay, I have a confirmed fraud feedback from the customer saying like, okay, 
we saw fraud originating from this location, so you should block it. And you also have the inferred like risk related to a certain location mm -hmm. because we're seeing suspicious activity, right? Like multiple accounts being accessed or multiple accounts being created from the same place. Yeah. So you have this distinction to define like the, the level of risk for a certain geolocation. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Trust and Safety Mavericks. Subscribe to our show to be notified about every new episode and follow Incognit and me, Andre Faraz, on LinkedIn and Twitter.